G'day, welcome back. This is episode number nine, which is pretty cool. We're getting close to having ten bloody episodes, which uh, it's a little bit crazy. Um, this week I've sat down with Brad Turner, or you might know him as Kiwi Outdoor. Excuse me, me dogs howling. Fucking sounding like a bloody good wolf pup there though, isn't he? Um, yeah, so I sat down with uh, Brad Turner this week and um, we had a good yarn just around hunting ideas, I guess, in New Zealand around ages of animals, sort of tar focus, but sort of vaguely um, treated as just a bullshit session between two guys trying to think about larger problems um, and ideas within sort of the way us Kiwis are hunting um, and game management type shit and things like that. Um, both of us are not experts on any of these matters, but uh, it was bloody good just to sit down and have yarns with another guy who... Um, is thinking about this sort of shit and, you know, something through the starting of this podcast plus just the last sort of few years of my life, I really started thinking about um, the ages of animals that we're killing and, and how how each animal or each hunt is like what, the actions you take on this current hunt, how are they going to affect your hunts of the future? And is it going to give a positive contribution or a negative contribution? And sort of kind of just having that lingering in the back of your mind and thinking about that. Like, you know, if I shoot this bull now, is that going to improve or uh, degrade my future hunting opportunities? And if you run around, shooting excessive amounts of bulls or young bulls or whatever, then perhaps that answer is, is no, it's not going to be beneficial and maybe you got to sort of think about it. I don't know. These are just some of the ideas that we sort of talked on and discussed. Um, bear with me with the audio. It's a little shitty and that is my fault. I was sitting in quite an echoey room and... Um, Yes, it's a little, a little low quality, but it's all right. You know, we're we're learning, we're learning, we're getting better. Um, yeah, enjoy, and flick us a message or a comment or something like that, and and sort of tell us what you think. What what do you think about our thoughts? What are some of your thoughts on these sorts of things? And um, as always, if you want, if you think that you've got something worth saying, reach out and um, sit down and we'll have a yarn. Shit, even uh, we might solve the world's problems, you know. Maybe not, but we'll get there. Easy, and um, yeah, like, subscribe, follow, share, fucking comment, you know, all that carry on. Get amongst it. Enjoy episode number nine, Topographical, with Brad Turner. This is my church, 
I'm not a religious man. I'm a spiritual person. I'm at home in the mountains where my mind is free to worship the land I long to wander. Boom. How you going? Good, you, mate? Good, good, good. Um, uh, when you say that, it puts bloody, uh, stands the hair up on your back. Yeah. You know how long, did, you know how long it took me to write that? Yeah, that's what, that was going to be my question. Did you, did you write that or did you find that somewhere? Because that's, fuck, I love it. I, um, I was watching a hunting video and this guy said, you know, this is my church. And I was like, that could make a really good quote, eh? And I sat there, it took me about three weeks and I keep saying, um, we'll probably talk about Franco later, but I sent it to Franco. I was like, like, this is two quotes I've got. And he's like, bro, this would go real good with this photo. And I was like, fucking A. So we, uh, uh my, my language. Uh, so we did yeah. it. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about your language. Yeah. When I, um, saw that, when I saw that photo that you posted, I was like, fuck, I need to reshare this. That's, oh, that's a stunning photo. And then it just goes so well with that quote. Like, oh, that man Franco is uh, pretty talented on the camera. He can make anyone look good. So, yeah, pretty, uh, yeah, pleased to have him on hunt sometimes, though. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Oh, um, before we kick right into it, um, I want to sort of run through just a few little questions, sort of quick fire to, um, well, for the listener to get to know you, but also like, I bloody hardly know you too. So, um. I mean, quickly introduce yourself. Uh, Brad Turner, also known as uh, Kiwi Outdoors Dad on Instagram. Um, yeah, local Canterbury fella. Born, uh, brought up and bred in Canterbury, so always hunted around this area and work in uh, the farming sector, eh? Bloody good. Um, all right, hot question number one. What is your go-to boot? Uh, I've actually changed over to the crispy, oh, what are they called? Like the top of the line ones. Uh, what was that about two years ago? Absolutely yeah. loving them. Yeah. Uh, before that, before that, I was a lower man, but I started hearing all these bad rumors and I was like, let's try a crispy. And went to the field days, had chats with them, tried them on. I was like, these feel good out of the box. Um, two weeks later, we spent a week in them down in central Targo, so. Yeah. Them ever since. So. Is that the the Nevada? No, or the one above the Nevada. What do they bloody call them? Now you're gonna annoy me, eh? Yeah, no, nah, we'll figure it out. I've just started as of oh, maybe four months ago. Now I've gone from a a Handwag Alaska to a crispy Titan GTX, which is the like reasonably lightweight high top one. They're the um, um, Soft stink too, eh? Yeah, they're quite soft. Yep. So I, because now that I'm not living down in Canterbury and, and spending all my time in the big steep stuff with all the hard rock and shit, I thought I'd change to a bit of a lighter boot. And oh my God, I fucking love these things. Uh, these are um, the granites. Just walked out of the garage for a quick Granites. So I'm, yeah, okay. I guess granites are all my tar hunting. Yeah. Uh, they're real, probably real too stiff for, um, like I've used them for a couple of deer hunts and they're just a bit stiff. So yeah, yeah. Usually for on a, um, another pair of boots that get me blisters, but I deal with it. I'd rather that than sore feet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This, that's the thing. There's kind of um, there's more than like you kind of need more than one boot. You know, like 
um, which I don't like to say too much around the missus because, you know, she always goes on about how she needs so many pairs of shoes. But I kind of feel with girls now that, you know, when the girls are all like, they want, oh, you need a different pair of heels for this and that. And I'm like, yeah, you do need a different pair of boots for different things, don't you? <laughs> oh, you do. Because, yeah, like, um, because my, the drawery of my hunting is tar hunting, so I live in the full shanks. Yeah. But if you've got a 7K, 20K march in on undulating terrain, those are the boots you don't want to be wearing. They're bloody just, they're, still, they're just too, too stiff. Too stiff, yeah. yeah. Too rigid. But as soon as you get in that stuff where you need the side of your boot or your heel or your toe, you know, they, they come into their own. That, that's mm. sort of, yeah. they pay for and themselves pretty quick. It's the thing, eh? like I've found this this year I've been doing um, just through work, like it's all undulating sort of ex-pastoral land and stuff. So it's easy country and those lightweight crispies. And I've done one trip down south this year, tar hunting and the, the boots, they were fine, but if I was to be doing it all the time, I think I'd be left wanting a little bit more. Oh, I like hunting with Franco because Franco's a crispy man too. Like he works with yeah. me as well, and he'll a lot of his boots are that soft to medium shank, and you can see it when you get into that bluffy shingly stuff. You know, like mm. I'm using the edge of my boots, and he's sort of struggling to do the same thing. Like it's still yeah, good boots, yeah. just they're not. You, you end up relying on your foot strength a lot more and, and yeah, then tiring the yourself out a lot quicker. Yeah. But, you know, there are horses for courses, so that's it. Um, sticking with the boots, what is your boot care routine? How do you look after your boots? What sort of oil or wax are you using? How often do you get into it? Uh, first thing, don't put them in front of the fire at a hut. <laughs> yeah. I watched a guy do it the other day and I was just like, oh, mate, you got to move those boats. He's like, well, I'm like, that, that, nah, it's, it's not going to yeah. last. Yeah. But, uh, no, nah, after every hunt, um, give them a scrub down. Depending on how wet they've got, depends on how often I wax them. But, yeah. like, if they get soaked, give them a good dry out and then I usually give them a good wax. But, yeah. So. Yeah. At least try to give them a brush, get the shit off them every trip. Give it, keep it clean, eh? Take care of your gear, take care of you. Well, it's like your car, you wouldn't put it in the garage dirty, would you? So. Oh, I don't know. I don't, don't have a garage, I'll just leave my car filthy. <laughs> 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 um, what pack are you running? What's your What's your overnight pack? Um, so I've run a Stony Creek, uh, what is it, a 40 plus 10 or 45 plus 10 for a Oh, geez, 19 years now. Yeah. That's sort of been my all-rounder, but recently they've given me, what is it, a 75, the Mo- Mohaka, I think you yep. pronounce it. Um, so I've started using that, but then we've also, like, um, Franco and I have a bit of a relationship with Mystery Ranch, so they've given us a Metacalf. Yeah. I use that on my last overnight hunt, and game changer, mate. I'm oh, in love. I know. I know I'm running the uh, Marshall, which is it's the same frame, but it's the bigger bag. Um, yeah, I don't know if I need a bigger bag, eh? Because then I carry too uh, much shit. Yeah, no, nah, it's it, I very it's like 105 or 112 liters or something. I very seldom have the fucker full. What are you carrying your wife in as well, or? Yeah, I, like you actually could, <laughs> but that's the thing. That's how good those. I, I genuinely think those packs are that fucking good. You could carry your wife in. Oh, I was blown away. Like, I've never really delved 
too much into getting a fancy backpack. And then when we got that Metacalf, I was like, oh, I've been a bit hesitant about using it. And I was like, right, I need to break the trend and try something different. Yeah. So I, yeah, loaded up, first trip ever. And I was just like, what do we do? 8K up the river or something to the Biv. And I was like, this thing is bloody the ducks nuts. I can't leave this now. So yeah, just probably need to get a bit of a smaller one. The old 70 litres is a rip big for a day. Yeah, it is. And I find that with my Marshall, like it's it's so big. And they do, like the kind of the way they're designed, you can like kind of cramp them down a little bit and shit, but you still end up just carrying this like big heavy bag that you just don't need half then, the time. Like uh, just before Franco went back to Italy, we used it down Mackenzie um, Basin. We shot yep. a tar, and that it's yours got the meat carrying frame on it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so you can separate it from the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was like I was like, this is amazing. Like, it's putting mm. all the weight against your back. He looked so much more comfortable coming down the hill than I did. I was just like, yep. this, they're real. Like they've thought about the design. I see. Um, oh, what's that other big brand? That uh, Hunters Club use. Uh, da, 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 what do you call them? Tatonka. Tatonka is just brought yep. out the same yep. carrying frame, eh? Yeah. Oh, they've had. Oh, it's they had like a aluminium frame thing for a while, but yeah, they've come out with a new setup that's a similar thing. Um, and I see Hunters Element have one, and Bushbuck have come out one, all sort of within the last like twelve months. Um, which is cool to see finally like these sort of Kiwi brands coming to the party because of the likes of Mystery Ranch, Kafaru and Kuyu have been running that sort of setup for what's well, very like uh um, fucking years, ten years probably. It's very your European like American North American design, isn't it? Like Yeah. yeah. Like guides pack, isn't it? Yeah, like all of the all of the guys who are guiding sheep and shit seriously are running that sort of a, a setup and that's how i came across it was from following those guys and then when i did time working over there seeing them using it so um, yeah. it's cool to see that change fuck it's cool to talk to another guy that's using the mystery ranch and loving it because yeah i'm fucking all about it yeah no i was like I, the last trip i went on i didn't use it because i was just day packing but yeah, I'm sold on it. I need to try it on the push bike, but I'm sure it'll be comfortable, just as comfortable on a push bike. But uh, yeah. <laughs> depends. No? I, I I did a, a sort of like a bike rafting trip last year. Uh, it was that November last year. I went into the Hurunui Number Three Hut up the top of the um, Lake Summit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so I ended up like I biked in. Biked in across all the farmland and then left my bike at the end of the farmland, walked up the track, ended up shooting a deer, and then I pack rafted back downstream with the deer um, and then got back to the bridge and, like, grabbed my bike and whatnot and then biked back across and, fuck, like, it sucked. But I was that heavy that... I think it didn't matter. I ended up actually just taking the pack off and balance, like tying the pack to the bike and just pushing the bike. Um, yeah, that um, trip I did in February was the bike when I like I brought pretty much half a deer out and yep. it was just too much on your back. Yeah, carrier, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
but um, no, no, that's good. It's good. Um, how did you get into hunting? Like, how how did hunting start off for you? Well, like we always did duck shooting as kids, like from a real young age. I got a photo of me at like six or something in my granddad's paddock. But um, I don't even really know how Dad got into big game. But suddenly Dad was big game hunting, so we all went yeah. big game hunting. But we were brought up around it like, was I like nine when I went on my first deer hunt? Ten when I went on my first tar hunt? So nice. I was just brought up around it. So Yeah. So um, had your dad not hunted big game his whole life kind of? Well, this is the thing. I don't remember. And every time I ask him, he gives me a roundabout answer, eh? <laughs> um, like a, one of our mates like uh, that dad grew up with he somehow got into tar hunting through buying a rifle with an old guide and the guide was like do you want to help me out and then next thing they're all doing big game hunting it was just, it was, I don't oh, really yeah. know how it happened eh? it was just the weirdest thing we were all just like ducks 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 oh shit we're shooting big game yeah okay <laughs> it just sort of happened <laughs> Just the yeah, way it happens, yeah. We're always yeah. brought up around rifles in the outdoors. So, like, mum and, and dad used to do a lot of diving when we were kids. I remember that more than dad sort of shooting big games. So, yeah, okay. Di- diving Probably. around, um, like Canterbury off like Akaroa and whatnot. Yeah, Akaroa, Nelson, like, yeah. we used to go around all over the place as kids. So, oh, nice. I'd sit on the dive boat and while everyone else is diving, eh? Oh, man, man. That's pretty good. I did a lot of um, spearfishing as a, you know, like during, sort of during high school time stuff, fucking diving and shit. It's so good, eh? Well, we used to so, do a little bit of um, free diving inside the Akara Harbour. Yeah. But I haven't done it for years, eh? So. Yeah. And it's bloody it's miserable down there. Like, well, it's like... Always um, cloudy water. Yeah, like, and for me coming, like, growing up in Northland, learning to dive and shit, like, off the East Coast, like, diving out of the Hen and Chicken Islands and all around Whangarei area, like, it's not uncommon to have, like, 20 metre visibility. And then I moved down to Christchurch and I go for a dive and, like, you can hardly see the end of your own arm. Like, I'm a short fellow, I ain't got long arms. This is fucking miserable, you know? Yeah, that's really- <laughs> it's like, oh, no, you know, like Kate and Willis, he'll, he'll be like yeah. sending me Snapchats of him going out diving. I'm like, bro, you know the viz is going to be shit. And he's like, oh, man, the viz was so shit today. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dreaming. <laughs> you just, I suppose you just got to do it, though. And, and, oh, you do, yeah. Yeah. It's like me out running the other night in the rain. you got to fucking do it. Otherwise, yeah. you don't end up doing it, do you? So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, no, man. Well, I reckon we need to wrap straight into yarning about um, sort of the reason this all came about, which was when we were talking. Well, I ended some up having. Some I had bastard the yarn. called you out. Yeah, some bastard called me out. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, it's. So, I suppose, what's that, two episodes ago now, uh, episode seven, talking to my cousin Sean Alexander, who's part of the Lincoln University hunting comp, uh, uh, hunting club, which... Yeah, and you, you know what the worst part is? I didn't realise it was your cousin. Didn't even listen to the episode. And I'm like, dude. And then I like, listen to it. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's his cousin. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, he, he, he won't mind. He won't mind. Um, but it's... 
so like well like you like you the, the the hunting club is a it's an awesome thing and it's a great way like the way me and jason talked about it on uh that last episode about how it like it's an awesome tool for getting people into hunting and whatnot um but then yeah you'd, you'd message me just saying did you ask the guys about shooting a lot of young animals and whatnot and um i didn't and it didn't even like cross my mind until you said that and then i was like fuck they actually do shoot a lot i should have talked to them about it because it's not it, it's a hard thing to look at a little bit as well because like you might have 20 first time tar hunters heading away for a hunt and they're all shooting their first ball and stuff and like personally i think if you're shooting your first tar it shouldn't really matter what you're shooting go and shoot one but when you have like a large group of people all shoot their first tar in the same area at the same time fuck that's that, got to impact some shit that, that's probably my like biggest issue when i looked at that post and i saw what was it like 10 10 mm. or 12 animals draped over the fence at Growler Hut. And I'm like, I know what that river's like for animals. Yeah. They're not old and you've just taken a big swath of them out. Yeah. Like, and I'm probably going to upset a few people. I hate big groups of hunters. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we, I, I always remember like, we've, I've been doing this, what, 20 something years now. And whenever we went tar hunting, it was either two of you, three of you, or four of you. And you either went two and twos or a group of three. Yeah. Like, 20 people is a lot of people up one valley, man. Like, mm, it is. It is. And to be fair, a lot of those people on those trips aren't going to be shooting. Like, it's probably – let's say there's 20 people going on those trips. It's probably only 10 people that are actually doing the shooting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, like, if you break it down, like, per person, oh, it's a, I don't know, because it's, like. It's a balancing act, though. It's a bit massive balancing act, <laughs> because no matter how you look at it, if those 20 tar or 10 tar or whatever were taken over a two-year period or even over an entire one-year period on multiple different trips, that wouldn't be so, like, I see that as being not so bad. It's just like the surely there's got to be a massive like uh, ecological. It's a big hit all at once, like at one bam, time. Yeah, yeah. Ten, fifteen tar just fucking disappear. I mean, like if you put it in the aspect for me as in the farming industry, if you had a sheep farm with a hundred ewes and he had nine rams and he went and shot eight of his rams because why not? you've left one ram to service a hundred sheep. Like mm. you're taking a lot of bulls yep. out that are servicing those nannies in that area to keep population like viable. Yeah. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's a, like, like the, the world real world was the other day, uh, last weekend in July, these guys might even list it. They're from the North Island. We're in the Rangitata. So what was there? Five guys that spent, three, four days in this one river catchment. So they flew in with um, Malcolm Prouding, which yep. is all good. You know, fly in. You're from North Island, don't know the area. Sweet. But they had eight bulls and they were shooting their ninth that they 
we were listening on to them on the two way and they couldn't retrieve it because we went down at um, Avalanche Shoot. It's like, it's awesome that you're down here enjoying it, but and yeah, I've spent yeah. three, two weekends in that same catchment before that, not seen a hell of a lot and you go and see that and you're kind of like, man, that's a big dent. Like, yeah, guys. yeah. Like, yeah. And that that's the thing where as a as a North Islander, you'll go down there and it's this big adventure. A big adventure. And now that I've moved back north from like I spent ten ish years or something, twelve years in Canterbury, um, more or less, and now that I've moved back up here it's really like I can kind of see like when you're down there and it is at your doorstep you can go hunting all the time you and maybe this is just part of me maturing like as a person and as a hunter and whatnot anyway but like you're able to slow down and be very like I'm very content with going on a hunt and not killing anything, um, yeah, it's, especially on a tar hunt. Whereas with some of these guys, if you're coming from the north, you you've got like you might have taken some time off work, you've spent money on a flight with Air New Zealand, you've spent money on a flight with a helicopter, like you've put all of this in. There's that little thing in the back of your head saying to you, "If I don't take home a bull." This is a waste of time. And I think that's like, we need to, that's something that you need to like stop having that urge. And I think because I, because I had the luxury of having that on my doorstep, I can now look at it and go, nah, it's fine to do that and not kill everything. You know? It's, you know, there's like, um, there's, what was it? Three or four of them at the heart. So we had like, I actually had quite a good chat with them. And the other boys buggered off that were with us and uh, watching their mates up the hill shoot the ninth one. But, you know, we went through the pile of heads they had because I cleaned them up. I'm like, right, so you've got the majority of these are six, seven-year-olds. They were pretty much 12 inches, all of them. They had one 13 that was a 10-year-old. And I went through yeah. and like explained to them of the growth rings and that. I'm like, yeah, the 10-year-old's slowing down. He's not going to get, like, any bigger. The 7-year-old still had a bit of, like, you can tell that they're still growing a wee bit. Like, yeah. still still had that growth every year. But now, like, tried to explain to them the importance of it. You know, like, you, they actually said themselves, oh, there's not much around. And I'm like, yeah, and then sort of explain to them, you know, there's not much around because guys come in and they're shooting young bulls or any bull they see because... Kiwis have this mantra that they can't go home bloody empty-handed. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, we understand that. Now, yeah, but kind of explain that. I'm like, well, I go out numerous times a year. If I don't see a good, healthy population where I am, I'm not going to go shoot something because I'm like, well, if I take one bull out of here or one nanny out of here, that's going to affect the the ongoing breeding in that area. Mm. Like, Doc don't even do any culling in the rangatara anymore because – Foot hunters are doing enough of the job because they're all just going in there and shooting every bloody animal they see. Hey, like yeah. And when when a when a doc person tells you that, you're like, okay, that that's makes us sound real good as hunters, eh? Hey? Like, mm, mm. it's a mm. it's a hard. Like, 
if you're yeah, shooting, it's, like, it's real hard too because like that weekend, so we had the five or six North Islanders, we had another party of six up above them, we had another, so that was in the Lawrence, um, then we had six guys above the Watchdog and the Clyde, and then apparently there was eight trucks in the Havelock. Jesus, so that, like that's a lot of hunters, eh? Like yeah. And if every one of those hunters is killing two bulls, animals each, they're all killing two bulls, and those bulls are. I mean, this is a discussion I want to have. Is like, what? At what point do we call a bull mature? Like, what? What year? But you um, know, let's say they're all shooting six-year-old bulls. They'll all be shooting mid ranges. Like yeah. all I see in there in the last four years is mid range bulls. So they'll be like yeah. your five to seven year olds. Yeah. Okay. Sort of, yeah. 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 So then, from your experience with it, so I've considered, and I don't really know how I came about this, but I just got this idea in my mind: if I can shoot ten year old bulls, they're old bulls. Um, and initially, my idea was if I shoot a 10-year-old bull, he'll be a big bull. And so far, all the 10 and 11-year-old bulls I've shot have been like 10 and 11 inches and been real disappointing to me. Um, are they all, no, or not are they all East Coast bulls? No, West Coast, those. Are they um, all East Coast bulls, though? West Coast? No, no, yeah. West Coast, West Coast. So, um, like, sorry, disappointing is not the right... So you got to think of like the... The West Coast is quite hard, though, like... There bulls, is yeah. really good bulls over there, but the the feed is a lot different. The like they don't seem to some of them don't seem to grow quite the same. Yeah, like you get a good hard wet wet winter and summer, they're not putting on the same sort of condition, eh? Like yeah, yeah. Although, um, so that picture me and Jace talked about it in that last podcast, and I just sent you through those pictures and. Um, Thanks to Richie Hazelwood and Todd Howard um, for sending me through those photos. I'll post them so everybody listening can have a look. Um, but quite a number of years ago, um, Baden McNabb sh- shot a 14 and 3 eighths inch bull on the West Coast and it was 17 years old. Yeah. That's... This is Sam. Have you seen Sam okay. Wilde's old West Coast bull, though? No. How old was that? So Sam Wilde, never been tar hunting, goes out with the Hunters Club, shoots a, I think it was 18 in the end, 18-year-old, pointing at something bull. First bull, man. I was like, you fucking tinny uh, ass gun. I've probably have seen <laughs> pictures of it, actually, because I follow him on the gram, so I'll have to pull and, that up. And then it's well. like, next bull was like 14 as well. I'm just like, bro, just like... Stop showing off. You're making the rest of us look bad, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mate, you're making me look bad to my wife. I keep coming home and saying I don't see anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, with that, like, what, what are we... Like, what what was Frank? We, sh- we shot a nanny the other day at 16 or 17 years old. Shit. Oh, on that, that same trip where um, that I think it was Richie and Baden on that trip, they shot a fourteen-year-old nanny as well. That's good, and um, so that's yeah, yeah. That's like, on one trip to get a seventeen-year-old 
and a 14 year old but that's pretty cool that's yeah, yeah. that's fucking yeah um Nailed but it, yeah man. so what, like what would you consider a proper mature bull so like to put it in perspective where i guided in in bc and canada for where they had stone sheep a stone sheep had to be eight years old to be considered mature and therefore to be legal um i'd, I'd class it the same here because it's like that eight nine years they start to slow down and yeah growing and you see most of those, like joseph peterson's a great tar hunting guide and you see some of his animals and they're yeah. all above that sort of nine ten you don't yeah. see him shooting anything younger than really that age no no I don't know where he gets finding those balls, but he's doing a bloody good job as a guy. He just seems to always have. I've, I actually, I really want to, um, want to get him on here actually. So if you're listening, Joe, oh, fucking hard yards, get you on here for a yarn, because that'd be good. Call, call him the Tarking. I heard he loves the, it. The Tarking. <laughs> uh, I'll send him a message later. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so like. For argument's sake, are we just going to say like a eight years, eight years eight is plus. a mature animal, and what you should be trying for like a ten-year-old? Like if you can let things get to ten, like by for the time a tar is, like at what age do you think you can? Uh, actually, and this is I mean, Joseph Peter actually did a good article on this. In Indian Hunter a few years ago with all those horns, eh? Yeah, um, I was reading it like three months back in a heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've read it a couple of times because it's actually like if you want to learn to age tar and things like that, it's fucking great because he's got horns from animals all the way from like birth through to like 12 years or something, you know? Yeah, and he like explains how the lamb tips work and all that too. Uh, yeah, it's quite, yeah. It's actually it's quite really in depth article. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um. But I mean, like, it's, it's for me like the more rings the better, like the older. Yeah. But I still understand, and we've been over this at a hunter's journal night um, when we were talking about the importance of the tar herd, and we're like. You know, you've got your young bulls, and there is first-time hunters that are going to shoot them. That's mm. going to be pretty acceptable. Like you got to accept that. Yeah. But once you got that first tar, I think there is a personal responsibility that you need to start. Like you got to improve on yourself and start thinking about that next one, and and really being quite selective. Like, yes. Like you've already got one, so why do you need? another 10 in the same category before you shoot that big old bull sort of thing. But... Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And that's something like, I, I mean, I, I ain't perfect either. When I first started out, like my first tar was a very young bull and the worst, even the worst part about that, I don't even have those horns. I don't, I can't remember what the fuck happened to them. So not only did I shoot a really young tar, but I don't even have like anything from it to remember other than like, I've got a shitty photo from like, you know, cause it was back in the day when we had shit cameras. Um, but then it did take me a while 
to then go, nah, actually, I don't care about anything other than how many rings are stacked on it. And that to me now is, like, I still, I don't think I've shot a tar over 12 inches. Um, but uh, I've shot, I've think. shot some 10 and 11 year old tar. Um, but I'm happy, I'm actually, I'm, I'm just, I'm fine with that. Like, I, I don't, I, I no longer care much, to measure it in an inch. I can list it pretty much every ball that I've got. So I've got, uh, I don't have my first tar head. We shot that in 2007. And I do not have a clue where that head is. Actually, it might be Dad's. Uh, that was like a three-year-old bull. Uh, yeah. My second bull then was in 2012. That's on the wall. That's a seven-year-old. And he's only like 11 three-quarter inches. Yeah. And then we've done a couple, I've shot what, two cull balls, three cull balls, and then one out of boundary ball. And that's it. Like, Shit. It sounds, I've, I've got a mate that I talk to and he's like, oh man, you've, you've shot no balls for the, how long have you been hunting for? I'm like, yeah, but is it about the balls? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're leaving something on the table if, if all your experience is, is about bulls. Well, I've put like a lot of people onto tar in the yeah. last 10 years. That's been sort of more important to me than shooting my own bull. But like if that one that walks out, I had one, actually the first hunt and trial I ever did with Franco two years ago, three years ago, this bull walked out and I was like, you are the one. And we put the spotting scope on him and he was about nine we think it was quite it was like nine o'clock at night for real shit light and he was the bull that i've wanted to shoot for a long time and then i've never seen one like him since so yeah yeah i have a pretty high expectation in myself yeah uh, which is fair enough like it's yeah i'm probably a bit hard on myself sometimes but <laughs> i uh, when was that two two years ago now in the Jacobs I shot a bull that had no horns and it there was two of us it was the other guy's turn to shoot he'd never shot think he'd never shot a tar at all at that point and we saw this bull walk out and I'm like fuck you are on bro this thing's huge like you know you could just it was a big bodied animal with a big mane and I'm like fuck yeah and we get the spotting scope up and I'm like huh eh. Fucker's got no horns. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> like it was, it was like a, it was a big bodied bull, you know, like it had, had from looking at it through the naked eye, I was like, this thing's gonna be huge, you know. And probably uh, had horn rot though. Well, so he ended up, he, <clears throat> he was like, nah, I don't want to shoot it. And I'm like, okay, do you mind if I shoot it? He's like, yeah, go for it. So I went down, I shot it. And, um, one side, the horn's about an inch long and it's probably only an inch and a half kind of square and so there's some sort of old damage there's, some, there's like scarring yeah. on the skull and stuff something's happened and then on the other side it had been freshly broken off like the there was all oozing pus out of the skull and shit and whatnot so i i have that skull and it's like it's a fucking cool trophy to me you know i i think it's awesome I'm just going to use the tap real quick. Yeah, I don't know if you're right. Um, 
and and I think that's a really cool part about like how you have a trophy is that it doesn't have to be this perfect Douglas score thing hanging on the wall. Like there's there's more trophy in the story um, than than in the looking at it on the wall. And I think it's like it's a personal thing, and everyone kind of would have their own trophy about whatever they've shot or found or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. So. Like, there's the the, the thing for me is, is like character balls, which is your mm. old, or the one like you shot, and then you got your big old balls. Like, those sort of are your two categories in my mind of what I look for. Yeah. But it's hard. Like, we've spent most of this winter up the Rangitata and everything's young. I know I've had mate, uh, mate pulled out one mid-July out of the, where was that? Havelock. That was a 13 inch. But like, they're still mid-age animals. Mm. Like, it's good that there's mid-age 13s, but you can't get old bulls by shooting them young. Yeah, and what would that thirteen turn into as in four you know, years? If, if it's a six or seven year old bull, if you give it another four years, like you know, how? Yeah, I think I think we're never going to get old bulls on the east coast at the moment either, because there's so much accessible hunting now on the east coast. Yeah, yeah, and between between the sort of in, increase in like increase in people going to I, well, I don't know I don't actually haven't seen no, the numbers on this definitely. but it it appears to me like there is a massive increase in people that hunt tar over oh, like, when I first hunted tar it's uh, unfold man like even six seven years ago we used to be able to go up most east coast rivers in the trucks and we wouldn't see anyone for a week, two weeks, and then yeah. now you go out there and it's like fucking Rick and Mill car park. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, where am I meant to hunt? Because there's not much dockland up here and there's so many trucks around. So many trucks up, yeah, yeah. And then, you, and then it's like, shit, where's Malcolm flying people into this weekend? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so much going on. Um. But I mean, like, it, it is really cool that there are more people doing it. It's just, I think we need to. Uh, um, I've noticed it's a lot of like that, just out of school age too. So it was real good to see them out there actually. Yeah. Doing that sort of hard hunting. Like tar hunting's not easy, really. <laughs> no, even even an easy tar hunt is there's a bit to it, like. And you might have an easy day, but it can turn to shit real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's fucking cool to see heaps more people. And that goes back to, like, you know, we were dogging on the Lincoln Hunting Club a little bit there. But when so I did a year at Lincoln, um, I was so successful that I didn't go back. Um, 
they like half the dippies, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I was supposed to be doing a degree, but that's a different story. Um, I know how to scull a jug now. I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> they um, there was no hunting club when I was there, and I don't know when that all came about, but. Like talking um, to Sean about the hunting club, it is quite big now, and they must have started about six or seven years ago when I think it was a fellow Lincoln Harrison. Uh, he started the hunting competition with the young farmers, and I think that's about when the hunting clubs kicked off too. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, which would yep. be uh, seven or eight years ago now. Yeah, so yeah, like. And really cool to have that club there because it's an awesome way to get people into hunting. Um, It'd be cool if they could like align though with sort of your, the NZDA boys and get a couple of those old guys in there when they yeah. go on these trips and sort of give them that old boy perspective. The mentorship, yeah. 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 That'd be quite cool. Um, I see, la, uh, yeah, last night they had a, um, like a butcher out doing a butchery session. Um, the, the, like, I guess, like a lecture, uh, on butchery that the hunters club, had, uh, that the, yeah, the hunting club had organized. Um, which was really cool. So, like, I wonder if, you know, if they're, if they're organizing events, like, where they have a, um, they had a butcher down at one of the like science lab lecture theatre things there, and they did a big butchery session, teaching people like, could you end up getting um, guys from from the Tar Foundation or from the NZDA to be doing talks and events for these for these I students? The, I think the DA is a place they need to go to because like the NZDA does the hunts course as well, so they've got yeah people that are... yeah sort of clued up on it because I'm going to probably upset someone but what has the actual Tar Foundation been doing lately? (laughs) 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 There's a lot of of education. I'm going to get shot by um, Willie for this but (laughs) there's not been a shitload of education coming out. Yep. I know it's a big job what they're trying to do. It is a big job but I I agree with you like I haven't They've been very quiet. I haven't seen much from them. Um, to be fair, they don't have an Instagram and I don't hang out on Facebook or Twitter. So if they were doing anything, I'd fucking struggle to hear about it anyway. Um, but, yeah, I actually, yeah, you're, that, you do make a good point. I've not heard much. anything um, really from them. Um It's, and I wonder it's how... Because they've got, like, this Wapiti Foundation that's doing a freaking excellent job. Yep. Seed yep. Foundation's doing an excellent job. And, and like, the Tar Foundation started up, but it's sort of never really taken off. There's a bigger hiss and a roar, and then... And then... And, like, looking at the way the populations of Tar is going at... Like, with Tar is going at the moment, I think that we'd sort of need, like, how the Seeker Foundation give their hunters a bit of guidance and what they should really be looking for. Mm, yeah. Well. 
Yeah, and that moves on to uh, pissing more people off the conversation <laughs> we had the other day and the conversation I've had with Jason and with many people. Um, right. Am I so, going to have to delete my, I'm going to have to delete my Instagram after this? Eh? I'll, um, I'll piss everyone off and you can just agree with me and uh, go from there. But how do I... So in... There's the North American wildlife management hunting model, which is wildlife management model, which is pretty similar in broad spectrum from Mexico, the United States and Canada, hence being called the North American wildlife management model, where they have biologists, um, you know, rangers. specifically trained scientists, scientist type people and rangers and whatnot who decide on the amount of animals that need to be killed each year. They then administer this through local wildlife things where they give out hunting licenses and tags. And then as part of your tag system, you have to record your kill. So they are able to then get data on how many people went hunting, how many people were successful, um, and... With a lot of these species, um, there's like where I was in BC, there are compulsory inspections for a lot of animals. So they not only know whether you killed something, but for instance, uh, the goat that I shot when I was over there, that had a compulsory inspection where somebody who's like a certified inspector, the same way we have like certified Douglas score measurers and whatnot, um, that person looked at my skull, um, and and gave it an official age, an official length, noted down where it was shot, when it was shot, and all this information about it that then goes back to the BC Fish and Wildlife. So you get all of this data. Um, do they like? Do they ask for any sort of meat samples or anything when they do that, or weights or not? Ah, uh, no, but it's no. different. There's different things for different animals. Some stuff yeah, doesn't yeah. need an inspection. Um, some things you've got to provide teeth, some of them you might have to provide a testicle or the full skull. Like if you take in, like with my goat, I could have cut the skull with a saw um, and just, you know, like you could skull cap it with a oh, sheep. Yeah. With a sheep, you're not allowed to fucking touch it. Touch it. Yeah, it needs to get officially measured, and when they measure it, it gets put in a jig, and it's all like it's officially measured and aged, and yada yada. So it all it's different for different things and whatnot. Um, there are some areas in the states I know where you do have to bring in whole animals. Brain? No, I don't think it's whole animals. It's like brain matter because they check for CWD, which is chronic wasting disease, which is something to do with like animals. Sounds of it, eh? Yeah, it's like a um, or it's a something rather neuron thing. There's a little fucking bug that gets in your brain and fucks with you. And if you eat the meat of something that had it, you can catch it. And it's a big hoo ha. But going back there, one way, and this is the part where people are going to hate us. Um, but hear us you're, out. You're on your, you're on your own. Eh? I'm all <laughs> hear us out. <laughs> If we in New Zealand bought, and when I say bought, 
maybe you don't have to buy it. Maybe you just have to sign up for it. No, I reckon you need to pay for it. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. What you have to, yeah. So, well, that goes to, I think, with the dock permits that we have, you've got to get a dock permit to go hunting, and it's just a fucking five-minute thing you do online. Why not charge bloody $5 and send that money to the Game Animal Council, who is our... Uh, legislated, whatever you know, what they called or something. I don't know. Like, there's options here to bring funding to hunting and conservation that we could be using. Um, well, if you think about it this way, if you somehow charged, that money then goes to the foundations like your TAR, your Wapiti, your Sika, Game Animal Council. That goes into research. That goes into deciding what gets culled, so we wouldn't have the freaking arguments like we had. What was that five years ago over the tar? Yeah. Because we'd have actual science, because we get yeah. individual people to do it. And then you can control the population better. And we know what's actually happening, what's being harvested, if we're at a sustainable mm. or unsustainable level of harvest. Yeah. And people's biggest argument against this will be that the North American model works on natives, like all of those animals are native species there and they are managing them to keep a healthy species numbers, which like a healthy population, which is fucking great. We're looking at an introduced slash pest slash invasive, depending on who you are and how you want to look at it, what exactly you call it, but they are not native. And that's, that's the bottom line is that we're, we're, we're having this discussion over non-native animals. I feel now though, we've had them around for so long and they provide so much value to most of the people in our country. Could we not look at somehow at least just counting how many are there and how many we're killing so we get a better idea of how much we need to cull? Like even at the bare minimum. Well, if you could just I, I think we've what like, we killed. I don't know. The clock has gone too far now for us to remove them completely because what's our yep. vegetation going to do if we remove them? Like, you see retired farmland and you see how shit that looks and then the wild animals come in and clean it up again and those smaller native plant species actually get a chance to grow again. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I've just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but, yeah, we, ne- we, we need to know what's going on for culling purposes. You can't buzz around a helicopter like... You've got Doc doing culling, then you've got the Waro boys, and then you've got foot hunters, then you've got guides, and then you've got guys just going out and shooting on farms. You don't actually know what they're harvesting. We don't know what our reproduction numbers are. Yeah. We don't actually know that. We know there is environmental damage when there's an overpopulation. We don't know the environmental damage when there's an underpopulation. And we don't actually know what the number is that is too much. We know what too even, much we know what too much looks like, and we know a, we know what too much looks like in a concentrated area, but we don't know it over the whole feral range. Yeah, but but Does we also don't know we don't know what the number of too much is. Like, um, what's that quote? Like, porn's hard to it's hard to define what porn is, but you fucking know it when you're looking at it. Like, <laughs> over <laughs> overpopulation of tar, like it's hard to come up. Like, because we've got no, there's no, like, or tar or deer or goats or whatever. Like, great example, I was in some bush the other day with 
too many goats in it. Now, I couldn't tell you how many goats were in that bush. I couldn't tell you what the number of goats in that bush that would be okay, but I can tell you that there are too many fucking goats in this bush because I could see 150 metres through the bush uninterrupted because there was zero undergrowth. Oh, and it's like during the, like at the start of the tarkals and they were seeing all the easy tar and you got, uh, was it Luke here put a video up or was it Willie of the Landsborough and there's that many fucking nannies and the grass is shorter than a fucking dairy farmer's back paddock. Like, mm. <laughs> there's no feed there. There's doing damage. Yeah, okay, go and shoot some nannies in there. It's a women's zone. Foot hunters aren't going to go in there to shoot nannies, are they? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you get you that target targeted culling instead of widespread. Mm, but if exactly. you pay if if you're paying yeah. to hunt, it's going towards something to keep your pop like keep what we really care about in check. Yes, and I think like the big thing with that and the, like. Fuck, there's going to be some people up in arms about that. But to be fair, like, no one listens to this podcast, so, but <laughs> there's not going to be too many people upset. <laughs> Maybe this will get people listening. <laughs> no, no, but, like, okay, here's another thought. How valuable is our game resource if you're that fucking upset you wouldn't pay to shoot it? Yeah, like, you're, um... You go, oh, I love shooting... T- this, that, and the next thing. Oh, no, fuck off. I'm not paying for it. It's like, well, yeah. how much do you actually... How much do you actually value it? And, value and it. I, like, I think it shouldn't be expensive. And this is, like, if you go back to the BC thing, as a resident hunter in BC, your, like, annual hunting license is less than 50 fucking dollars. Like, it's like, it's fuck all. Each tag for each animal. Like, I'm pretty sure... As a BC guy, you could shoot every fucking animal and buy your hunting license for about a hundred dollars for the whole year, which and, is and insane. But then, as a so for me, as a non-resident alien, that's what I got classified as. I am an alien. Um, careful, bro. They're saying that aliens are real at the moment. So well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to pay. 500, I can't, it was 580 Canadian dollars. I can't remember the breakdown of what was my goat tag and what was my hunting license, but it was $580 to, to go out and go on one hunt and to kill one animal. That's I think I it, it would be a great thing to bring in as a Kiwi, as a hunter. I don't think we should pay for per animal, per tags, but why not, you know, if you go duck shooting, you got to pay whatever it is for a license for the season. Why not pay $10, $20, fuck all, just a little bit. I'd, I'd pay $100 to get a New Zealand hunting license to hunt for the year. And then if you want to come in, if you're an Australian or an American or whatever, you want to come hunt New Zealand, Maybe we charge if if we're charging. Let's just keep it simple. Don't don't get too wound up to the world. Don't get wound up to the number I come up with. But let's say we charge me as a Kiwi ten dollars. How about we charge the American fifty dollars or 
if we charge the Kiwi $100, maybe we charge the guy from overseas 200 or 300 or $500 or something like that, you know? And then you're bringing revenue into the pool. Then the next question would be, where does that money go? And you'd have to be very fucking careful and, and come up with, like, you'd have to say exactly where the money's going before you come up with all this because otherwise... Or or it could be designated that ten percent of all things go to the Wapiti and ten to the Seeker, ten to the TAR, twenty to the GAC. If you you say you made it a hundred dollars and you take your species that you want to aim for, so for me it would be like Tar Shemi Deer. Yeah. And then they go like right, we'll give X amount of your $100 to the TAR Foundation, X amount to the Wapiti Foundation, like the the two foundations in your island, and that yeah, will help okay. fund research for those herds. Yeah, because that's where most of your hunting is going to happen, so that's where we'll see most of your yeah. funds. And then those foundations actually have funding to be able to do necessary research. Yes, yeah. And management. Yep. I like, but like that. I don't even do our... Foreign hunters even pay at the moment. They don't, do they? No. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't I believe mean, they have to I was meaning to message one of the boys and ask, but I don't believe they do. I'm pretty sure. Also got, I remember the hoo-ha. Remember they wanted to introduce like a national parks tax to visitors and there was a heap of hoo-ha? But I mean, like, Doc's underfunded to shit. Like, why isn't there a national hmm. parks fee as well? Like... I'm really because honest. it's not just a, a matter of like it's it's not just a matter of like oh you know it's public land we should have the right to it but yeah we should have the fucking right to it I agree with that but, but we need to take to care of it too and we need to take care of it somehow and so one thing going back to the American thing so there's the Pittman Robbins Pittman Robinson Act in the states and the Pittman Robinson Act, I think, is fucking outstanding. It's oh, something I needed to talk about it. It's yeah, freaking good. It's eh? it's something like a, a it's like a four percent. Yeah, it's a four percent tax on anything, Everything. any hunting and fishing good. So ammunition, fishing rods, rifles. It's even hiking gear, though, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's not. It's not everything outdoors. It's because mm. there's a there's a bit of a grey area. Like if you market your thing towards a hiker, no. If you market it nah. towards a hunter, yes. Like there's something weird like that. But all that money we're talking about it just the other day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't heard them talk about it for a while, but they've like that's where I learned about it and then yeah. looked right into it because I thought it was amazing. That money, the cool thing about it, that money goes into this this big fund and then gets spread out depending on the state that it was that it came from. It goes to that first and then it goes to differing pools and it will sit in that pool and if it does not get used in a certain pool in a certain amount of time, it actually gets sent to a different pool to be used. So like let's say if we put in a tax like this and anything that don't, was... Don't call it a tax, man. You won't get a vote. Oh, 
Sorry. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, um, it's a benefit. We, lo- we like benefits in this country, don't we? <laughs> Uh, you're really going on ice tonight eh? (laughs) Uh, you know if you have big conversations you've got to have bigger answers or something like that I don't know Um, know, it's just it's adding a value to a resource yeah and then the cool thing about that Pittman Robinson Act is that the money the money that that act spends goes to hunting and fishing and it comes from hunters and fishers like yeah it's you end up funding your own joy funding their own management yeah yeah which i mean shit like could we could we do something like that i don't know maybe we could but then it's like hut passes man who pays for fucking hut passes i went into the hut the other day and no one filled the book in for three months and i can guarantee every weekend there was someone in that hut yeah it's like, yeah. that's a yeah, that's another one. And um, Us- users have got to pay, otherwise the thing disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, fucking, you know what? I don't know if I couldn't tell you the last time I bought a hut pass. Um, I actually don't stand huts very often, so it's probably not up my alley too much. But I don't think I've ever fucking seen. I've never been in a shop and seen someone buy some hut passes. I wouldn't even know where to buy hut. Like, I used to just well, my sister used to work at Docs, so I used to just get a whack of them off there every day. <laughs> yeah. Can you send Although, me about like twenty passes and give me? There is, uh, what's the one up the Macaulay Valley? If you go stay at the Macaulay Hut, it's got the thing there. There's a bank account. There's a, like yes, an honesty a box there, but there's also a bank account number. And last time I was up there, come back and I think we just put like ten bucks a person. We just transferred it once we got back out. But that's a privately a private, managed, yeah. it's, McKinsey, it's on public land, but Alpine Trust. Alpine Trust, yeah. Yeah. How does that one work? Is that, they, do they own the hut, but it's on private uh, public land or something? Else? Yeah, well, they built it. Because what happened there? There was a hut there, and it even got, it was down in the river a bit further, and it even got burnt out or washed away. And then the, the Alpine Trust put that hut up there and then they oh, okay. like manage it and that and I think Doc just do you know your standard safety inspections like they do of any hut on public land yeah okay but, yeah. yeah it's all like that's an awesome hut eh that one like, oh my god that hut's cool. so busy these days eh yeah yeah I've heard I've heard that it can get pretty hectic so we used to like um it's when I was dairy farm we used to take a week off every February and we'd go in there and yeah like two weekends and you wouldn't see a person if you every now and then you'd see another couple of trucks come in but now you see a like a video on instagram and there's like 20 trucks in outside the hut and you're just like what <laughs> fuck that's mad <laughs> what are you doing like, and there used to thing. be i think the bath's gone now eh? there used to be that bath you could like the fire yeah they took the bath out oh when was that probably six years ago there's a yeah. photo of Sir Ed, um, Sir Ben Hillary sending that bath, eh? Oh, real? That's cool. The hut somewhere. Yeah. 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 yeah that bath is mean, eh? Sit out there, drink yeah. a few tins, end up almost drowning yourself, and then realizing yeah. you should probably go in the hut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> good times. The other, uh, what's that other hut up there? Um, the, 
Pete's bag up the other oh, side. Cold. Yeah, I took the missus up there a couple of years ago in the, in the Zook. It was her first, um, like, night out in a dock hut. I hope it was summer. Um, <laughs> it wasn't super cold, but, yeah, it was... Yeah, I think it we, probably was something, yeah. It's cool. We turned up there in winter, right, in the dark, and we're like, right, let's get the fire going, and walked in the hut, and we're like, oh, shit, <laughs> there's no fire. <laughs> oh, that's right, there's a little solar light, and that's fucking it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this is going to be a cold few days. <laughs> it's pretty hard to get in there at the moment, eh? Um, Rivers really fucked that track up pretty big time. Oh, really? Yeah, a few yeah. of the clubs, the full drive clubs have been getting in there, but apparently it's pretty gnarly. So. Bit of hard work to get across. Yeah, like, as soon as you drop in from Lilybank, the river's, like, right there, the main flow, so... Oh, so you can get to Lilybank fine, but then going out the other side of Lilybank is where it's shit. Yeah, you, yeah. you know how you go out for his paddocks and then drop out yeah. of the river? Like, when yeah. you drop down in the river, the river is literally right there now. Ah, shit. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting if, uh, what happens there. Yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You just kind of, it's the natural flow of the river, like, fuck it. But oh, it might, you know, it, it'd actually be kind of cool that if, like, let's say the river goes there and it fucks it out and maybe there's 10 years or three years or something where there's very limited vehicle access because of the way the river is. Be cool to just bit, sort of see the dynamic. A little bit less pressure, eh? Yeah. I had a mate, um, he... <laughs> took him and his brother and his mate when they were young. He's probably, I think he's like 20-something years older than me or something like that. Um, he, as a kid, took their bikes the whole way around Lake Tikapo on two-wheelers. They went up Lilybank, crossed over. They drowned, they drowned two bikes and towed them, like towed, they drowned one and then was towing it with the other and then drowned another. I think they ended up with one bike working by the time they got back and they were coming. He's actually got a really cool photo of his brother going through the creek like, and you can just see the helmet. There's, like Everything else is fucking underwater. Like, no wonder they drowned bikes. And um, apparently they're like, coming down the other side and the cocky pulls them up and they're like, where the fuck have you come from? What are you doing on my land? He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. We just come from around the lake. <laughs> and he's like, No, you haven't. And he's like, Yeah, we just went up. And like, How'd you get across the river then? Yeah, we just drove. No, you fucking didn't. Yeah, yeah, we just drove up and we drove across the creek. And yada, yeah, yada. they don't take too kindly to. Uh, fuck. They don't take too kindly to strangers on their farms down there, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. So, <laughs> uh, we've uh, we've pulled some vehicles out of that Macaulay. Crossing eh, over into Lily Bank in their time. Yeah, I've done one recovery out of there, which turned we to had shit some, show. Um, I would say young fellas, but I was pretty young at the time. But um, they came in on like a Friday night, and we were leaving on the Saturday because the river was meant to turn to shit. And we said to them, they're like, oh no, we've got plenty of food. I'm like, how much food? And we had like a bit of a suss out. And I was like, right, the amount of rain that's coming, you guys are stuck in here for like three days. They're like, oh, maybe we come out then. So on the Saturday morning, we're like, soon our shit out. It's already raining. Then I like walked outside and realised the highlight said no snorkel. 
Oh, yeah. like, uh, shit, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> and by the time we got to the, um, they call it like Lilybank Road Crossing, I had a surf on 35s and it was over the bonnet and I'm dragging, like skull dragging these guys across the ute journey. Ah, it, was, it was just a nightmare, eh? I yeah. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to do this again. <laughs> oh, I ended up down there doing a recovery for a mate. And if you're listening to this, Trout, fuck you, mate, you dickhead. <laughs> we, he goes down there in his surf. and um, What is it with surf drivers, eh? Oh, yeah. And he drives over. Drives, he just drives through. And I don't know what happened, but he didn't drive out the other side of the river and ended up, like, floating down river truck cut out and you know same normal shit drown your truck and it's all fucked so i get a phone call can you come save us like we're we're up here the truck's fucked we need a pickup and i'm like okay do we are we doing a vehicle recovery <laughs> like how, how's this point we're trying to find out from him like are we are we is the vehicle staying in the river and we're just picking up two dudes are we coming down to drag a vehicle out of the river or are we just coming down to pick up a vehicle? Because one of the boys had like a tow truck from work and we're like, look, we can just, it fits three in the tow truck. We can just send one guy down in the tow truck. We can put your surf on the back and drive it home. But you just need to tell me, can you get the truck out of the river? Like there's somebody else there. No, no, no. We're not going to be able to get the truck out. Like You're going to have to get the truck out of the river. Okay. So we jump in the truck and we drive from Christchurch down there, which, you know, it's a fucking four-hour drive or whatever it is. And um, we get there. His truck's pulled up, like, on the dry side, like, south side of the Macaulay crossing. His old man's there, and he's not there. And I'm like, and I say to Tim, I'm like, where the fuck's Trout? Oh, he's gone up there for a hunt. And he'd just run. He'd seen some tar on what I'm pretty sure is not even fucking public land and he'd just run up because like he's a fucking mad cunt just runs everywhere so he'd just run up the Macaulay River and was just like I'll find a way to get these tar and so we get there and like I'm already pissed off because it's like Sunday night and I've fucking driven all the way down to pick him up and I get there just on dark and he's not even fucking there so me and Tom and Trout's old man are just pissing around for like 40 minutes waiting for him to turn up. He comes back and he's like, oh, no, I couldn't get them. And I'm like, yeah, you couldn't get them. Because no, not even on your fucking, like on public land, bro. <laughs> so then we have to like drag his fucking truck all the way back. And then we get back to Ash Burden and he turns it, like goes to turn it on. And it just turns on. And he drove home from Ash Burden by himself. Oh, and I'm just like, you've really. Oh, we got home at like one thirty in the morning or something. I'm just like, you fucking cunt. We met a stag do in the. We met a stag do in the flooded Rangitata one night. That was interesting, eh? <laughs> There's so many good videos come out of the Rangitata, eh? The trucks just. Well, we're like, we we're gonna camp before the river crossing and. I was like, what are these lights doing out in the river? And we turn it, like, we carried on. And when you go up the Havelock, like, that river comes hard against the bank. Yeah. There's this two ute or three utes. And then I, like, looked over the river, and there was a trailer on the other side of the river. I'm like, where's the ute from the trailer? And they're like, oh, down over there. He's stuck. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. So you want going to go help him? And they're like, oh, you can if you want. I was like, no, fuck that. It's dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But they're like, 
they went, one of them went up, there's two years without snorkels, two years with snorkels. So one of them went over, like, pulled this ute out, they hooked the trailer on, come back across the river. I'm just like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, <laughs> the trailer's people, sideways. <laughs> people do some silly shit, eh? Like, I, I mean, I've, to be fair, I've done a lot of stupid shit in my life too, but it fucking never ceases to me to amaze me that there's just, there's a new stupid cunt every Every day. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I took the neighbour and his boy hunting. So his boy's like 11. And I was like, this is going to be an epic experience, la la. We're driving up the road to the Rangatata and we come across this, you know those like bubble Delica vans, the big four drive ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we like caught that and I was like, oh yeah, it's just some like tourists wanting to catch the sunrise at Mount Sunday or something. And nah, blow me holes, the guy follows me all the way up into the riverbed, and then he's like, hangs out of the truck, he's like, where you going, bro? I'm like, oh, fuck, this cunt's got day. Like, he was off his tree. <laughs> I've never seen this before. <laughs> and we're just like, whatever, mate, carried on having yarn. Well, what yarn we could have with him. And he's yeah, like, I'll give yeah. you a race. And I was just like, righto, mate. And he just took off. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And then we lost him in the river, like, he obviously didn't want to follow where I was going because he's in this fucking big fan. Yeah. And then I, I had the two-way on scan in the truck and these two other guys start piping up and they're like, can you see those headlights doing circles? What are they doing? Oh, and then like God. half an hour later, they're like, oh man, that guy was off his tree, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just never get surprised when you go in the mountains what you're going to find. Nah, there's always, there's always something to see. I was... um. I actually got fucking wound up at these cunts and gave it to them, but we were up a spot um, just north of Christchurch, and we're walking back out. I was with my old man, and we were walking back out, and I thought I heard, like, a few gunshots, and... um, But they sounded a little bit weird. You You know how, like, a rifle sounds like a rifle? And a shotgun yeah. sounds like a shotgun. And I was like, that kind of that kind of sounds like a shotgun. Like, it's, it's not a rifle. Something weird going on. And we get down to to where this hut is that we'd walked past, and um, there's well, a hole in the long drop door. Two holes, I think. And I'm like, what the fuck. And and then I go and have a look, and there's a hole. There's a hole gone through it, and someone's obviously shot like a solid through this fucking door. But then there's also two. Uh, one there's like a mark from where someone's put an arrow into like the bit of forbital on the back of the thing, um, like where you can see a broadhead. And I'm like, some cunt's just what been shooting us. So what the fuck? So I go have a look at the hut book. There's people's names in the hut book. So I like took a photo of that. Cause I was like, I'm going to find these cunts. And I just got my march on. Cause I was like, these guys can't be that far ahead of me. If we heard the banging, like the noise as we were coming down the hill. So I'm just like hauling ass. I ended up getting in front of the old man and like not too far before we got back to like to the car park. I come across these people and I had my longbow at the time. Um, so like everyone wanted to stop and talk to me about how I'm like legalist and shit and I had to inform them that I am actually shit but I looked apart and um, I see these so guys so one guy is good though eh? yeah oh fuck I looked good man <laughs> um, one 
<laughs> one uh, one guy had a shotgun and the other guy's got a crossbow. And I'm like, fucking jackpot. And at this point, my blood's just boiling. Like, I'm like, I'm ready to rip heads off motherfuckers. And, um, so I just so I walk up to these guys and they start asking me about my bow. And I'm like, oh, what do you shoot with that? Oh, no, you've got these board heads, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, what about you with your shotgun there? I, you know, I shoot bloody solids, yada, yada, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I just fucking ripped into these cunts on the riverbed, eh, and just fucking told them what for. Fucking pull your head in, fucking yada, yada. I've taken a photo of the hut book. What's your cunt's names? Yep, sweet, I know you. I fucking, I'll be reporting you. And, um, and then I just, like, kept walking, and they were a bit like, oh, fuck. And then a couple of days later, at the time I was studying at um CPIT at the Polytechnic in town and um I'm walking down the hallway and this guy walks out of the classroom and it's the dude with the shotgun who I've just fucking torn into and he makes eye contact with me, bro, and I've never seen a fella fucking avert his gaze elsewhere and just turn the fuck around and go back into a room so quickly, eh? Like, and I was like, oh, sweet, that, this guy's, this guy's shot up. This is stalking me, eh? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even report him after that. I was like, he's got the fucking message. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody, um, mate, that works a dock. They were way up in the, like, a no vehicle area behind Mount Hutt. <laughs> there was like 10 or 12 rangers, dock rangers. <laughs> and, yeah. And this full drive come around the corner, eh? He said it was the but, fucking funniest moment. This is you just like stops and realizes what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> deer in the so, headlights. Sort of yeah, moment. deer in the headlights. Fuck, we're somewhere we shouldn't be, and there's like ten dock rangers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had a guy the other day at work. Like, so I was walking back. I'd done like a walking loop. Um, like I do like culling for work, and so I was walking back to the house one morning, and um. I like stopped on a corner with my thermal and done a little scan through like a little area that's often got something. There's nothing there. I was like, oh, sweet, I'll just walk home. So I'm wandering up the road and this like truck pulls in to the same spot just behind me and stops. And then I can see him like look at me and obviously you can see me just walking up the road with a rifle, my high vis on and shit, like clearly not a poacher. And, um, he like sat there for a while and then he pulls up and he's like, Oh, how you going? I'm like, oh, yeah, just going all right, whatever. And, um, he's like, Oh, you seen him? I'm like, No, I haven't seen anything. He's like, Yeah, no, I was going to pull my thermal out and have a scan down there. But, uh, you know, I seen you and I thought, Oh, he's probably seen it and stuff. And I'm like, thinking to myself, This is a private land cunt. Like, there's a giant sign there that says no shooting. And you're just telling the guy who is allowed to shoot here that you're doing this? Like, fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, we had that um oh was that two years ago so we had a royal truck get cancelled like the day we were driving down to Haas because of the weather and we were like right plan B and we shot into a big reserve in Central Otago and it was like the third to last night 10 o'clock at night we hear this like vehicle coming and we're like what the fuck and then the headlights just stopped and we're on a ridge, so the, the track goes, like, past us. Look, you can't not get around us without going past us. That's all good. Watch these two guys, like, disappear down into the gully and then climb up this face and literally go over the saddle 
And turns out we knew them, and I said something to them, and they're like, oh, no, we weren't poaching. I'm like, dude, your photos are, like, in private land, and we watched you go over the ridge line into private land. Yeah. Like, and you turned up at 10 o'clock at night. You knew what you were fucking doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. Some people like, like that. You, you even knew we were there because we like yelled at you and asked where you were going. So why would you make it so obvious to uh, let us watch you climb over into private land? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there, bro. Um, I better get out and get it to work. I don't think we've really solved the uh, problem of um, shooting young bulls or. Um, how to better manage, but we've discussed some concepts there, and I don't know maybe that'll get people thinking. It'd be cool to talk to some more people if you're listening and and you've got ideas on that. Whether you think we're fuckwits with thinking about that, or whether you want to discuss more. I think the like yeah, biggest yeah. takeaway for people would be if you're out hunting and you're not seeing lots of animals, you need to make a pretty conscious decision. If you're harvesting an animal, is it actually gonna help or hinder the area yes is it going if, to if the if you're not seeing a shitload if you're not seeing a shitload don't shoot because there's obviously not a massive population if you've seen a massive population of say nannies and only a couple of bulls pull some nannies out like yeah. nannies are pretty important still to breeding but you know like if you're that desperate for meat and want to take some home Take out a nanny, like nannies are it, the the number one thing for population uh, like growth or control or, or whatever you're trying to achieve. If you want more animals, nannies are the best way to do it. If you want less animals, yeah. nannies are the best way to do it. So like have a think I think the big yeah, the big thing there, have a think, is your harvest of that animal going to be beneficial to your hunting in five years time maybe that's, that's the it. question you have to yourself is killing this animal going to make my next hunt better or worse and, and you got to think past a year you got to look at that like cam speedy says you know you got to look at that five to ten years like what's mm. important for that area yeah and and but then having a look having a look at um, what what other people are shooting in those areas, what maybe, you know, may, maybe the Tar Foundation is flat out writing something right now and they're going to come out with some suggestions of how we manage animals in certain areas. So it would be having a look at what uh, the experts, which is definitely not myself, but what the experts are saying should uh, happen in certain areas. Um, and taking that info on board and, and having a look at what you think is the best thing as the guy on the ground there and taking that info on board and sort of bringing all of that together to make this calculation of is this killing, is this killing, is killing this animal going to make my hunt five years from now better or worse? There's like, uh... Going back to like the orangutan, everyone hunts orangutan. Yeah. I remember 15, 20 years ago, you'd go in there and you'd see 150, 200 animals. Even 10 years ago, you'd go in there and see 100 animals. Now you're going in there and you might see 20 to 50 animals. It's just watching that that change, and it's like we've got to really start 
selectively shooting, otherwise we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot and end up with nothing at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll get some nah, man, there's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and no, and that's the thing, like, man, send us send us messages, comment on shit, send us a message. Um, if you think you're an expert to any degree, sing out and we'll have a yarn. Yeah. Like, and Joseph, come on, mate, you need to get on here. You know yeah, I'm doing. actually, I've, I've, I've yet to ask him, but um, I do. I exchange messages occasionally back and forth with a guy. He seems like a good bugger, and I've been meaning what fuck yeah, I should get him on one day. So that's it. Um, definitely, but a hard yards. We need to get some of that happening, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh any closing thoughts there, mate? Have you got anything you want to add? Uh just enjoy being in the mountains. Don't make it always about killing. Like let's savour what we've got and enjoy the moment. There's a lot of value, I think, in sitting and watching animals, not only for your personal growth but for understanding how those animals live. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, guys, there it is. I hope you enjoyed. You can uh, follow Brad on Instagram at Kiwi underscore outdoors underscore dad. Um, I'm sure if you just type in Kiwi outdoors dad, it'll appear. And uh, yeah, follow me, Bruce Hunt NZ. And um, yeah, drop us a comment or a message or something. Let us know your thoughts on that. And um, maybe we can have some more discussions otherwise get out there get amongst it and have a bloody good day cheers